Hey there, folks. What do you know? We are back once again. It's the Uticast episode 145, and this week we are joined by Bob Schofield and Dr. Michael Attilio from Mohawk Valley Health Systems uh, here to talk again about the ongoing downtown hospital debate. Also this week we'll be talking about Easter, April Fool's Day, the National Championship, Laura Ingram, uh, WrestleMania, cigarettes, cell phones, and so much more, folks. All that, we are happy to have you here. Oh, yeah. Physically strong and mentally weak is a fair, uh, a fair description of how I've been feeling for the last couple couple days. Physically strong, huh? I feel better physically feel than strong. I have lately. I feel like I can get more sleep. I didn't realize you were struggling. I, I, I never even noticed. <laughs> physically strong, mentally weak. Uh, that's my definition for myself for the last couple weeks. We're back. We're back, folks. Episode one forty five of the Uticast. Uh, I am your host, producer Sam Pimolaro, joined by always by Heather. I was gonna, you were going to say hi. Hi. Oh, hi. yeah. Hi. Sorry. Hi. <laughs> and Kevin? Yes. <laughs> I missed my cue. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> we're back once again. Uh, joined this week by um, Bob Schofield and Dr. Michael uh, Attilio from Mohawk Valley Health Systems as we continue our ongoing forever discussion about the downtown hospital. It's <laughs> it's it's always interesting. Like, I, I was telling them, I got a little nervous when they showed up because they're very professional. Oh. It was super professional. They had like suits on and stuff. And I was like, I'm in my living room. Come have coffee. We were on by the dinosaurs and wrestling action figures. It's <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? like it's super weird. It's always my favorite part when like someone really professional comes into like because they expect like they probably they probably were at the radio station. Yeah, they're or something. like, yeah, they probably got yeah. a nice radio station. Yeah, they walk in, they're like, I love all the dinosaurs. I'm like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, welcome back, folks. Uh, happy Easter. Happy day after April Fool's Day. No. Uh, Heather, how was your Easter? I'll start there. It was, how was good. It? We went to um, my husband's cousin's house. We were Sarah from Adirondack Inc. She yes. hosted Easter for us this year. GFOP, Sarah so, Dustin. Yeah. yeah. So. I saw your picture on Facebook. You guys look like a big, happy, hip Utica coalition. It was yeah. very sweet. <laughs> and like, Did you guys do a beer hunt instead of an Easter yeah, egg the, hunt? Yeah, oh. they hide um, all the parents hide all our favorite beers. And That's we get a- like little six-pack. Carriers and we go and find our beer. See, that's the type of thing I can get behind. I <laughs> yeah. like that. That's a good idea. And they and they get everyone's favorite though, so it's not like one bad beer. It's Did you get any good beers when you're hunting? What's that? Did you get any good beers? Yeah, I got sour. Hunting? I got a six pack of sour mm. Larry's something. I never had it before, so I'm gonna. Like a gose? Sour Larry. Like a sour. No, Larry. a sour. It's a sour. Oh. What's the difference between a sour and a gose? Well, it's sour. Sour. Well, so is the gose. It's, it's got not this. Really. No, uh, gose is known for being a little more salty. Salty. Yeah, actually, mm-hmm. no, yeah. No wonder like, I Mine's like, like a sour gummy bear. <laughs> oh, okay, like a tart, like a like melted gummy bear. Like a yeah, warhead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that something that's right up my alley. Actually, <laughs> it sounds perfect for Easter. It's like yeah, this beer tastes like Skittles and Starburst and everything. So. I saw you rebelling against people posting their Easter baskets on Twitter. You were no, having... <laughs> I just, no. It's not the picture of the kids with the Easter basket. It's the parents taking a picture of what they set up for their kids. 
Oh, like, like oh, the preparation. Yeah, the preparation. Like, look what I did, and there's the table, and everybody look at how good I am. Yeah, it's like with the Christmas tree when they show the Christmas tree with all the presents around it. Like, look what I did, and I'm like thinking, okay, well, I put this little tiny basket with like six things in it for my kid. What does the Easter Bunny do for your child? Did he? He, he brought him snacks but, and books. <laughs> I mean, I guess what's the process? Did, did oh, he? Was I, there just a basket that there the bunny... was a basket? But I prepped him for it like a month ahead of time. I said, "There's this thing called the Easter Bunny," and I got him an Easter Bunny. I said he brings you snacks. So every time I ask him, like, what are you getting from the Easter Bunny? He's like, snacks. Mm. So I told him the Easter Bunny came. He's like, snacks, snacks. And he came downstairs. And mm. I don't know. And you guys, what do you get? Like a bunch of, like, tree bark and wild forest <laughs> yeah, berries? Granola. He actually got all natural, <laughs> and orange. these natural uh, gummies and books and paint. Mm. Cool. So I went, I went to <laughs> an up. Easter party uh, in Chicago once. I was visiting my sister out there. Mm. And I'll put it this way. Her family on my brother-in-law's side has a bit more disposable income than my family does, mm. right? I'll just leave it at that. They have a <laughs> nice big house. Anyhow, I go over to Easter, right? I'm spending Easter with my sister in Chicago. And I go to this house where they're really celebrating Easter, like really digging into Easter. They, they loved it. It was mm-hmm. like Christmas too, which we'll get into in a minute. And I had never met these people. I only knew them because they're my sister's in-laws. Okay. And they gave me an Easter basket. Oh, and I was like, oh, that's really sweet. But it was... Like the it was like the Easter basket you would get at the Oscars. It had like a hair dryer and a copy of like like Remember the Titans. It was wild. I was like, what is this? People got you a hair dryer? I'm just saying, like it had like it wasn't even candy. It was like nice appliances and stuff. Yeah, there was like it was like herbs and spices yeah. and DVDs and, and, and berries. Yeah, and berries. Yeah, it over the Heather's house. It's it like, I gave you guys organic jelly beans. You never had them. You'll have hmm. them now. <laughs> Can I tell you something weird? You're gonna laugh at me. Mm. I did something I've never done before this week. I well not recently I scrolled through Facebook and just looked at stuff that wasn't like negative stuff I was just looking at oh, people's nice. Facebook pages and I ended up on your husband's Facebook page oh gosh and I was like there's a lot of pictures from you guys getting married I've never seen wedding photos of you. there's a lot of like serious photos of you and like your wedding dress is looking very serious <laughs> you guys took some very serious photos it was like high school the photographer was very serious <laughs> it was like some high school prom photos it was very good you're just like very I was waiting for the one where you like had your hand on your chin I'm talking about <laughs> I was looking for that one that's my favorite uh, bad radio for you folks who couldn't see me do that yeah Kev um, <laughs> how about you how was your Easter my Easter was wonderful I had a great Easter um, got to see my family went had dinner at my Uncle Dan and Chris's house, and it was excellent. Mm. I really enjoyed it. Easter's nice. Easter's a little bit more, like, low-key than other holidays. Mm. Yeah, I think that that was one of the nice parts about my Easter this year as well, is it was pretty early in the day. It was pretty low-key. Yeah. So was ours, yeah. yeah. I'm a big fan of pushing the holiday stuff earlier in the day. I don't like when the, like, we're going to have Easter, like, Christmas dinners at, like, 10 o'clock at night. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's... Well, we're the next be... day, usually you have to go to work or something, yeah. so you don't want to spend it like at someone's house. Well, Easter Sunday too, because most people do not have Monday after Easter yeah. off that I'm aware of. So, you did though. Must that be nice. Happens. I have every Monday off. <laughs> uh, so I got a couple takes from Easter that I want to discuss with you guys. One, I colored some eggs this year. Coloring eggs is always fun. You love coloring eggs. I'm pretty good at it. Did you see my maiden Utica Uticast eggs I made? They're nice. Yeah, they I. Were. Like, two seconds after I took that picture, I dropped them and they broke. I knew, I was like, well, that's it. At least the photo evidence exists. Um, The other one, I think it seems to be coming into vogue this year that kids are scared of the Easter Bunny. Kids have been scared. They've of been scared. That's I didn't not, even bother putting my son through the horror of it. Really? Because I knew you'd scream a six foot giant bunny yeah. with big eyes. That's not new. That's been going on our whole lives. Maybe it's just more viral this no, year. So people, a lot of people like, are posting videos no, of their kids yeah, freaking people out. People are enjoying uh, post, post scaring yeah. their kid and watching them 
cry. Yeah. Which is, I think it's weird if you ask me. Like, so. Uh, yeah, because funny, because I did go do Easter Bunny photos as a kid. I didn't feel like I was ever I scared of the Easter scared. Bunny. I don't remember being scared of the Easter Bunny. Mm. Um, and I got a question for you guys just in general about Easter, okay? Christmas is like the biggest holiday, right? Biggest holiday in general. We spend the most money. It's the most widely like celebrated, it seems like. Or the most openly, vibrantly celebrated on TV, right? How come Easter is not a bigger deal? Is it because the rabbit isn't as cool of a story as Santa Claus? Why doesn't Easter get as o- it, it, over as much as Christmas does, I guess, is my question. Uh, I, I don't know. Because yeah. it's just different? Is it just like... I, I don't know. I just find it weird. Like, you'd think that like... The Easter Bunny I, can't ne- carry nearly as much as Santa can. Well, my, the kids question Santa that. And... Yeah, I guess the narrative. Like, I always question the Easter Bunny. Like, what does he do? Does he bring Where stuff? Where does he live? Does he live in a hole Brings in the candy ground? to your house. Yeah, but Santa's narrative is a lot stronger. He's got the house it's in like the North some, Pole. It's the Because Christmas is a bigger holiday. Well, no, because by the time they got the Easter Bunny, they're just too tired by after Christmas to elaborate a big story. They just gave it easy. Simple. Is that yeah? Because parents are lazy. They, yeah, I think they, by the time they got the Easter Bunny, they're like, yeah, he just brings you candy. He doesn't even have a home or anything. My mom, yeah, he doesn't have a backstory. He have no place. No backstory. <laughs> for the candy. No little elves make candy for him or anything. Uh, I do think that there's something to be said for the fact that. Um, I don't know. It. I feel like I have a hard time explaining like what the rabbit's supposed to be to. Like, where's the rabbit come from? I don't know where any of the backstory from. Like, Santa Claus is based in like lore, right? Like, there's like a lot of like German and folk traditions that are sort of about Santa Claus. Like, there's a lot of different versions of Santa Claus. Are there like other versions of the Easter Bunny out there? Like, like weird folk versions of the Easter Bunny? I'm not aware, but I don't think so. I'm sure there are. We probably just don't. Uh, know yeah, about I just don't worry about them. Yeah. Well, that's it. Something I take on Easter. I thought it was fine. I had a nice Easter. It was good. Um, that's it. Uh, I'll move on to a couple other things. Oh, did you guys do any April Fool's pranks? Yes, there was April Fool's Day. Oh, you I didn't have time to, no. like, die, like... Have you ever April Fool's pranked anybody? Yeah. When I was a kid. I feel like I... Yeah, maybe when I was a little kid, but I feel like as an adult, it's kind of mean to like, well, do I mean, it to other adults. Well, kind of thing you do. Yeah. Yeah, if you do something mean to them, <laughs> then it's mean. <laughs> What's the best April Fool's prank you ever pulled on somebody? Oh. You ever had a good one in particular? Uh, I would have to think about yeah, it. I have to think it. I don't think I did anything really good. I'll share one with you that I heard today on Reddit, which is one of the best I've ever heard. Uh, it was during Easter morning or whatever it was, and the the kids the guy the guys got kids and they come out to open their Easter baskets, and he over the night the the dad had filled a mayonnaise jar an empty mayonnaise jar with vanilla pudding, so when they were opening their Easter basket, he was just standing on the couch like sitting on the couch, eating. Vanilla pudding out of the mayonnaise thing, but the kids thought he was just sitting on the couch eating mayonnaise while they were opening their Easter yeah, baskets, and it was skeeving them out. Like, that's amazing. It's a really like, that's a lot of levels. That joke, you really got to dig in. Yeah. I think also if you have kids, it's got to be fun. You're not your kids are too young. Your kids too young to prank him, but you're gonna want to prank him. I don't know. It'll be fun. You seem like you'd be a prank. No, I parent. would. <laughs> no, I will. Um, I don't know. I was gonna look up the history of April Fool's Day, but you guys seem to hate when I do. <laughs> sort of well, because we know you already got nineteen yeah, highlighted got, paragraphs about God knows what. Highlighter, I think, somewhere on the table. And then we're gonna see the return of reads from a page guy after the interview. <laughs> well, you know, you're gonna, history. Tell, you're gonna tell us anyway. So I know I, I okay. really don't know. Oh, but um, the jokes oh. on you. The jokes on you. I looked it up. I looked it up. I don't know. I have no idea. I did find like a giant list of like nineteenth century April Fool jokes that were just mean. 
Like, just mean things that so people you should have April Fool's joked us and said there was going to be no history lessons. And yeah, then and had then history like, yeah. lessons. That's that would have been a good point. Yeah, but you didn't. Too late now. I blew that one. So, uh, Just a quick update, guys. Uh, tonight, by the time we are finished recording this, is the uh, NCAA College Basketball National Championship game between the Michigan Wolverines and the Villanova Wildcats. So uh, if you guys want to guess who's going to win, because by the time people hear this, it'll already Villanova. be Villanova. That's sure. what I picked. Yep, Villanova. Yeah. Um, for anyone who's still in our Uticast Made in Utica tournament pool, it is down to two people. If Michigan wins, then the hated Justin Parkinson of Made in Utica will win the entire pool. But if Villanova wins, beloved Made in Utica GFOP Tom Knudsen, a.k.a. TK, the director of all our videos, Talk will win. about a battle between light and dark. Good I know, and evil. really. <laughs> <Yeah>. The classic <laughs> Luke Darth Vader scenario. Uh, so if you love TK and you love goodness, root for Villanova. But if you love the dark side, you can root for Michigan with Parkinson. <laughs> um, so there you He's go. <laughs> um, okay, and I want to share with you guys one, something that happened to me today, okay? It's been a while since we've pulled out this segment called Sawkward, uh, Awkward Social Interactions with Sam, okay? But this is an awkward thing that happened to me today, and I wanted to share it with you guys because I'm an open book, all right? It's the end of the day today, and I work in a building that has, like, uh, employee bathrooms, male and female employee bathrooms. So, general, when you have like male and female employee bathrooms, it's usually just one stall, right? It's like a private, small stall, right? It's not like a bunch, it's like a whole bathroom. So, you're the only person who can be in the bathroom at one time. It's the end of the day, I've finished my coffee. I'm going down to the bathroom to wash my cup out in the sink. <laughs> I walk into the bathroom and somebody had destroyed it. It was horrendous. <laughs> Just, I, I don't want to get graphic, but it was very... Somebody had clearly been in there for a while. Pungent. It was pungent, for sure. And I go, oof, my goodness, right? So I, I tried really... Ugh, clean my cup. And I open the door to leave, and there's a person waiting oh, to get no. in to the bathroom. And I'm like, no! No! How do I broach this subject? I was like, I'm just cleaning my coffee cup. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you do. Like, like, you don't do he, anything. He said, he said he was cleaning his coffee cup. I should have just winked at him. Like, you just said, he said he was cleaning his coffee cup. I don't know what that smell was. I don't know what the hell he did to the cup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was in the coffee cup. Who knows? I feel like I would have said I didn't do that. And <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it it seems weird. You should have just winked at him and said good luck and kept walking. What the hell do you care what this guy thinks? <laughs> all yours, big guy. Come on, i got to work with these people. Warmed it up for They're you. They're going to talk about Sam. You're like going to be the talk of one. You see what happened? That guy who destroyed the bathroom. And then whoever the guy who really did it is going to be in there like, good, good, yes, excellent. <laughs> um, all right, so there you go. Social interactions with Sam that don't go very well. Very common in my life. <laughs> we should have more of those. Uh, no, we should, we should have less know, of those. That is a good second. <laughs> um, so, guys, I don't have a... I feel like uh, I didn't... We talked a lot of politics last week, more than I planned on talking about. So I tr- I'm going to try and steer away from any sort of Trump or politics discussion this week. That's great. Yeah, That's great. It's just too much right now. It's, well, it's always too much. I no, feel it's like, really too much. I right feel now. like the problem becomes if we're going to talk about it, we almost have to dedicate the whole show yeah. to it. Because mm. everything's so dense and it happens so often and it happens so fast that like we'll find ourselves, we'll glance over, we'll do a headline, be like, yep, predictably horrible. <laughs> and we almost don't do some of the subjects the credit they deserve because stuff is so yeah. dense. Mm. And we don't yep. want to be just a politics show. It's true. Uh, but this is... 
this is sort of a media discussion that I wanted to talk with you guys about, which I'm sure people will say has some sort of political bearing. But do you guys following at all what happened with Laura Ingram and David Hogg, the the Parkland shooting survivor? Oh, she's like on leave yes. right now, isn't she? Yeah, she's uh, she, she's <laughs> announcing a vacation from her show in uh, in response to what's been sort of a protracted like online thing where David Hogg has turned advertisers against her mm-hmm. after she. I guess so she bullied him for not getting into colleges. That was sort of the, the small narrative that I heard. She went on the show and kind of... No, she sent out a tweet that was like, ha ha, this kid didn't get into like these schools or whatever, and he got rejected from them, and now he's out here whining about it. Mm. Basically. Yeah, yeah, and she got pretty... Again, we've said it many times in the show, I don't know why... Uh, People think they can go after like teenagers. You need on... to stop trying to goon these kids on Twitter because yeah, you're just, gonna get got every single time. Every time, it's kids. <laughs> and it was impressive how like you know, and for this David Hogg kid, like he he's getting battered around by a lot of people in the a media. Lot a lot of people are taking shots at him. And are there certain things about him that are like obnoxious? Yeah. Well, yeah, he's a kid. All kids yeah. have they, they're in general. All kids they don't... by nature obnoxious. Yeah. yeah. She's an she's an adult though, right? That's the difference. Like in Well, all these people that are attacking a kid is calling them out. Yeah. All these people are attacking these kids because they're adults and they're upset because it really goes to show how little like strategy the, the right wing news media machine has because usually they'll like attack people. If it's somebody else, I mean Laura Ingram's got, is no stranger to attacking She's the one telling LeBron to shut up and dribble a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago when he had the audacity to make a comment because, you know, he gets paid money. Right. And, you know, so she constantly does that. By the way, if anyone else sees something funny, get on YouTube and look up Laura Ingraham Nazi salute. Yes. When she threw the Nazi oh. salute at the RNC and, like, what? it was very clear that, like, she snapped back and was like, oh, wait, my bad. Mm. Tried to play it off like she was waving. But, so, it's interesting to see their tactics. Now it comes up against kids and you can't really go mm. at, like, kids the same way. And it's just funny to watch how morally bankrupt the strategy is, and I'm glad that she's getting hers. I'm glad that she's getting hers as well. I have a question. Do you think it's telling that these kids realize that the only way to get results in this scenario is to turn ad dollars against it? Because his first move yeah. was like, is it's immediately he was like, yeah. here's her top twelve sponsors, and he put he added every single one. I wonder if someone's guiding them. Obviously, someone's guiding them through all this. I don't know. Really? I don't know. That's the thing. Like kids are more adept at this than we give them credit for. I think you know to like when you grow up with that technology around you all the time and you're immersed in it, you see what works and what doesn't. I think a, a younger student in a high school is more adept at understanding what's going to get over on Twitter than I am. I'll say that for 100 mm-hmm. percent accuracy. Right? Uh, maybe there is somebody who's telling them like things that they can do to get better results, but I don't think there's like. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, there's certain. I mean, there's it's a, it's a large movement. Yeah, there's parents working with a lot of people. <laughs> well, also, you know, because that's one of the right wing attack points they bring up. They're like, oh, well, you know, there's other people working with these kids and mentoring. Yeah, of course you like sociopaths. <laughs> that's how these things like happen. Of course they're being mentored and helped by like minded people. If I could do Good something people. that I could offer to help the you know the Emma Gonzalez's mm. and the David Hogs of the world. I'd pitch in. I'd give them my opinion, of mm-hmm. course. Like yeah. that's what people do. It's not. And they're doing cons- everything right, and they're doing it very maturely too. Mm. Like, I don't like one of the things that drives me nuts, and it even goes back to the the shut up and dribble thing about the basketball players. I don't like this idea that only a subset of people are allowed to have opinions about things. Only people who agree with them are allowed right? to have opinions. So I'm a. I work in the education field. Am I only allowed to talk about education? Like, is that all I'm qualified only to talk about? With them. Only if I agree mm-hmm. with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd love that one. Shut up and teach. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, sure. Uh, so I, I saw something else that sort of ties into this, though. And it, if you, do you guys know anything about this new streaming service that Fox News is apparently creating? 
Have you heard anything about no, this? No, I haven't. Okay, so Fox News is creating a streaming service called Fox Nation. Uh, it's going to launch. It's a paid streaming service. Uh, it's descri- This is actually how Fox News is describing it. Quote, over-the-top opinion platform, unquote. I thought that's what they already were. <laughs> now, that's an interesting point because... <laughs> Look how much over-the-top can they... I certainly don't want to listen to Fox Nation, right? But are we going to start seeing more content based solely on opinion, even if people are taking it at news and they present it as opinion? You're going to start seeing more platforms that are just going to openly say, yeah, we're opinion because we want to say these things without being persecuted for being, oh, is this news or not, right? If you just say it's opinion. That's already what they do. Yeah. Right, but it's not on a channel called news anymore, right? now they can say whatever they want and. Yeah, and not have, yeah. Now, it doesn't seem like they're going to take Fox News and make it more credibly about news and move everything over to Fox Nation or anything. But I wonder if, again, this is something you'll see more of in the future. We're going to add a more opinion-based column somewhere else so we can have our cake and eat it too, right? I just, I just, it's kind of disheartening, but I, it it's almost makes sense and it makes me upset that it kind of makes sense for them to do it that way, right? I don't know. Tough times. Would you want to be a, like a TV pundit right now? Like, if you were asked to go on, like, some sort of... Not a Fox News show, because I feel like I wouldn't want to go on, even if they had invited me. Because no, they do, they do, they do gotcha garbage. Yeah, show. I don't want to do that. But, like, if you got asked to go on, like, I don't know, what's, like, a... Like, Trevor Noah's show, would you want to go? I don't even know if I'd want to be on TV talking about stuff. Do you... When you say, well, there's a difference between being asked to go on a show and between being a pundit on a show. Oh, right, going, like, so CNN, if I'm I suppose, getting, right? Well, no, no, even Trevor Noah, whatever it is. It's if you're asking me to just appear on the shows like a guy to interview, that's different than being a pundit and drawing a paycheck for it. Right. Yeah, if I'm getting paid with these people on CNN are getting paid, absolutely. Yeah, what do I care if I get death threats on Twitter? Like, nobody's <laughs> doing anything. Nobody does anything. Nothing happens. Yeah, they, 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 want, they want Kevin from well, people are gonna on be, CNN to talk about Claudia. People are going <laughs> to be people are going to be mean to me on Twitter. Like, I, yeah, for the well, paycheck, absolutely. Are you kind of interested at all in? What happens like when we get toward the election to see if they start talking about upstate New York stuff and oh, like to. on national? I'm looking forward to they're it going in a to. weird way. Yeah, it should Very be interesting. Curious. Very curious. Do you think we'll ever get reference for having Brindisi on the show? Not re- on TV, obviously. Do you I think hope so. you, you think someone will listen to our Brindisi interview sure looking for her? Put them out there more. <laughs> no, I know. Put them out there more and see. Never yeah, stop throwing them out there. I'll still bring Claudia on if she wants to come on. She just doesn't want to come on. If she comes, if she comes on this show, I'm going to interview her. No, I know. I know. We've talked just so just so everybody knows. I know. All right, uh, that's enough of that. Let's move on uh, and let's get to this week's uh, interview. You know, I feel like we, I feel like the downtown hospital, whether you're pro downtown hospital or anti downtown hospital or whatever opinion you sit on, it's still like a huge topic of conversation. It comes up every day, every day, somewhere (laughs) I go, either on the internet or in conversation somewhere. Um, Mohawk Valley Health Systems um, sent two folks to come talk to us. They sent a lot of folks to come talk to us. They sent four people here, but I talked to two of them today. Bob Schofield, uh, Schofield, great guy, uh, and Dr. Michael uh, Attilio, love that Italian last name, good dude, <laughs> good dude. They were uh, really nice enough to come in today, and, you know, um, again, it's this is a complex issue, and a lot of people will pick one side or the other. I thought that everyone who's been on the show, either for or against it, has always presented themselves as very honest and open, and these guys were... Much the same. They're very honest and open. And, you know, that's really the way that debates about issues that we face, you know, political or, like, civic issues like that, 
that's how they should be held because something like this hospital, you know, there's points on both sides. Yes. Mm-hmm. Both sides have points and, you know, it, it's it's not picking between the good or the evil. Yeah. It's just picking one of two different roads that, you know, both mm-hmm. lead down certain ways. And that's the way that I think debate should be handled. Mm-hmm. And it's I think it's awesome how kind a lot of people have been to come down and reach out to oh, yeah. our listeners yeah. who maybe yes. they're not getting on, you know, Keeler or Talk of the Town or wherever else they might go to up yeah. here. It's really kind of them to come out and reach out to the people who listen to this yeah. show and to us and to make sure, like, hey, we want our point of view to be heard by as many people as possible. That's an encouraging thing yeah. that you see more or less from both sides in this debate. Yeah. And it was very nice to talk to Bob and Mike. Great dudes. Uh, we went about 40 minutes with them, so uh, let's not put it off. Here is uh, Bob and Dr. Michael. We'll be back in just a moment. Um, you know, a lot of times when people come on the show, I, uh, you know, I'm just trying to be casual and kind of enjoy the company. And I have to say, I was, I'm very, I was very excited for you guys to come on here. Um, you know, uh, and of course, folks, we have, uh, do for Robert or Bob? Bob. Bob. Yes. <laughs> uh, Bob Schofield? Schofield. Schofield. Bob Schofield uh, and Michael Attilio. That was a good one, yeah. I had the Italian last name, so I tried yeah. the best I can. Uh, Bob and Michael here. Uh, Bob. You are the executive vice president and chief operating officer of Mohawk Valley Health Systems. Is that correct? That's right. Uh, And Michael, you are uh, your doctor, Michael. Yes. I have to call you doctor, don't I? I'm kidding. No, you know, Mike works. (laughs) My cousin is Dr. Mike. I'll just call you Dr. Mike for now. Uh, You are also the vice president of the medical group and physicians practices. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. And it's it's an absolute pleasure to have you guys on here. Uh, I'm sure that most people know what you guys are on here, so we can talk about. And that, of course, is the ongoing uh, downtown hospital discussion that's been happening for feels like almost years now, doesn't it? It's, well, been, a while. it's yeah. been three years. We've been has working been on this project. Absolutely, yeah. God, really, that's the thing. I think that um, this has been going on. Even I came back. The show's only been back for two. I've been back since 2015, since so I came back mm-hmm. from New York. And it's interesting to me that this debate probably has been going on since even before I came back. Do you guys remember at all like what the very beginnings of this was like? Like when the first inkling that there was going to be talk of a new hospital? Well, I was there, so I do mm, remember. Sure, wonderful. Well, you know, Facts in St. Luke's and St. Elizabeth came together as a affiliated organization in March of 2014. Mm-hmm. The primary reason why we did that is the two hospitals are struggling competing against each other, mm-hmm. struggling within the large healthcare market, competing with Syracuse, Albany, larger cities. Mm-hmm. So we came together as one. And in doing so, we had to come up with plans on how we're going to secure the quality of healthcare in our community and make sure it was here for years to come. Sure. So we did some consolidations. We did some contract changes and some renegotiations. But through that process, we began to recognize that our facilities were very old, Hmm. And there were neither one was large enough that we could combine everything into one location. So at that particular point in 2015, the state of New York announced a very large $1.5 billion grant opportunity. Hmm. So we talked amongst ourselves and said, well, 
how does that work for us? Hmm. At which point we said, why don't we consider building a new hospital? Now, a lot more discussion is two guys sitting here saying, let's build a new hospital. Yeah, let's build a hospital. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, we, we worked at, looked at the logistics of that. And we put an application in for Milwaukee Valley Health System for about $500 million sure. for, a, um, for a new hospital. It hmm. got rejected. <laughs> right off the bat. <laughs> right off the bat. They said, no, we're not going to do that. But, but then, you know, the momentum started because we had conversations with local elected leaders. We had uh, conversations with local business people really talking about this concept of improving the quality of health care in our community. How would we do that? And how can we get some dollars to build a new hospital? Fast forward, you know, another year, uh, the legislation came out that said the uh, $300 million grant for a uh, downtown, uh, for a uh, a new hospital in the population center of Oneida County, mm-hmm. which is defined for us as downtown. Sure. And the rest is history. We began the process of designing and then soon to build a downtown hospital. Mm-hmm. Now, did you immediately get pushback from certain aspects of the community that did not want downtown hospital right away? Or did that come out over time? Because I'm sort of curious if that developed initially. Was there always a little bit of pushback or did it seem mostly receptive initially? Well, um, at first we weren't, when we first announced downtown, Sure. There, there were some people that were immediately um, critical of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, some of the thought was, why don't we just build at our one of our current campuses? Why downtown? Uh, that's a bad location downtown. Um, so we we had a, a couple of local people who started a, a group, mm-hmm. uh, no downtown hospital, and uh, and began speaking about that publicly. Mm-hmm. So we engaged them on a, as many occasions as we could, although they declined uh, person-to-person visits earlier on. But uh, but on the other side, we had a tremendous amount of support from local businesses, business leaders, about the idea of, of shoring up our healthcare system for Utica and building downtown. Lifelong resident of uh, Mohawk Valley. Grew up in Holland Patton, went to high school there. I remember in my college days, Used to be a bar down in Utica called Rascals. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny about that? Um, my dad and my godfather, Guy Gazilli, shout out Guy. They were very uh, involved in Rascals. I'm very familiar with Rascals. Oh yeah, I, mean, oh, yeah. I, got, I know some stories about Rascals. So, so it was not uncommon for yeah. me to have to leave Rascals to go to <laughs> Yorkville to my apartment, and you know I drove through that neighborhood, which quite frankly is very similar mm. than it is today. Yeah. Now, did I think when I was a 23-year-old nursing student at St. Elizabeth that someday I'd be planning to build a hospital in downtown Utica? Absolutely not. But it's funny to look back on it and remembering what it was like then. Now, we've already sort of touched a little bit on it, and since we, I don't want to get too far ahead because i got a lot of stuff I want to get, but Bob, I'm sort of curious, you did grow up in this area. You were born and raised here, went to school here? Like, born and raised in Holland Patton. Actually, I lived in Marcy. Marcy. Went, went, to, went to school at Holland Patton. Uh, went to nursing school at St. Elizabeth School of Nursing, it was called mm-hmm. at the time, college now. Yeah. So I'm a registered nurse by uh, uh, training and education. Now that's an interesting thing because last week I was driving down Genesee Street with the co-host of my show, and you know, again, we we discussed a lot of this casually just because we were preparing for the episodes every week. And the nursing school as we were driving by was one of the things we sort of questioned. Like, let's say that uh, in either scenario, what happens to the nursing college? Would it stay at same? Stays right where it is. Stay right where it is. Yep they um, they haven't any desire to relocate to school. It's a mm-hmm. Great facility, plenty of space for the students. Um, they like where they're at. Years ago, when I was a nursing student, 
uh, the vast majority of the students lived on campus. Mm -hmm. Now the vast majority live in apartments or uh, many people are in second careers. So the location mm -hmm. of college isn't essential in relation to the location of the hospital. I guess from the layman's perspective, because I only think about it, I, I, you know, I, I'm like on the education sector. So a lot of my knowledge about this is, uh, is general, right? Mm -hmm. If we're building, I'm just thinking about like addition, general addition. If we're adding a new hospital, inherently we would have to remove one of the current existing locations or would they just be repurposed for some concept in that way? Well, we have three... We have three large campuses in the system right now. Yeah. Uh, St. Luke's campus, mm -hmm. we're inpatient hospital. Sure. Uh, St. Elizabeth, inpatient hospital. And the Faxton campus, which is uh, primarily outpatient services. Yes. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that we will start doing here shortly is a repurposing study of those three campuses. So when the time comes for us to move to our new location, we will have ascertained what's the best reuse potential mm -hmm. for those three campuses. We anticipate one of them being remaining part of the system. Mm. At this point, our, our working assumption is that Faxton will remain open. Urgent care is there. Our cancer program is there. Dialysis is there. Some office space is there. So we may locate some um, services that don't need to be in the hospital, right. offices and whatnot, at that location. The other two will uh, uh, more than likely be sold. And, you know, the, the, the sky is limitless what they could be. Sure. We've seen what's happened with old hospitals in Buffalo mm. become uh, multi-leveled uh, uh, housing, retail space, things like that. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunities there. Bob, I'm going to I'm gonna hold you for one second because I want to talk to Michael here for a minute. I want to get a little background on uh, Dr. Michael uh, Attilio, which sure. I tried my best with those Italian names. I'm, I'm pretty good with them. I, you I did never, a good job. Uh, my... All I know about my Italian side is we are Calabrese. That's yeah. about they, all they told me, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was talking to my 11-year-old, actually, both of them, <laughs> yesterday, and I told her that she was mostly Polish, actually, and really? she was devastated. She was like, I want to be Italian. You know what? So, I'm actually mostly Middle Eastern, and most oh, yeah? people don't know it, because I'm like, I grew up, my parents were Syrian and, and yeah. Italian, but yeah. I got Italian last name, I got the dark mustache and beard, yeah. I'm pretty swarthy looking, they're like, yeah, he's Italian yeah. for sure. My brother, my, is a lot. The, my brother is the Polak in the family, he's pretty obvious. <laughs> Well, none of the above here. <laughs> uh, Dr. Mike, I have to say, uh, yeah. it's nice to it's nice to have another Dr. Mike. I have a cousin who's Dr. Mike. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's making me feel good. Yeah. Uh, but i got to get a little bit of background knowledge for you. Sure. One of my first conversations I went to, initially yeah. talking about downtown hospital, um, was two friends of mine. Uh, shout out to Ann and Allie, two friends of mine who work in the medical profession here currently. And mm -hmm. um, I was driving down to New York with them. We were going to a wedding. And I said, you know, I... There's all this talk about the hospital and it's such a big issue now, especially what it seems like the wake of people feeling like Nano's not coming, and that's a whole other conversation. But I think with the idea that, okay, I'm stepping back for a second. Utica has this mentality, I think, sometimes, and if you've been in Utica long enough, yeah, a lot of times Uticans don't believe something's going to happen because we feel like it's going to get taken away from us. And this is from years of whether it was, you know, General Electric leaving and airbase and air base. leaving. Yeah. yeah, a lot of things over the years. So I think that when the, the whole situation with nano and i think that most general folks when i ask people casually if like if nano is coming most of them like ha yeah remember nano that seems to be like i don't know yeah, i don't even know yeah. if that's true but that's the mentality that a lot of people on the on the street level seem to have about it and i think because of that do you think that's affected sort of the the discussion and the rhetoric around this has become a much bigger issue because of the way the nano thing was handled i wouldn't think so 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 keep in mind that i didn't grow up around here sure you know i I'm a transplant. Mm. I actually grew up in eastern Pennsylvania. Oh, really? And then um, I spent the beginning of my career in the military. Yes. So I was, I was all over the place. 
And, um, you know, I wound up here, this is just going on my seventh year. Mm. And don't get me wrong, I, I really love it here. And I'm still still getting used to the culture yeah. and the mentality. Um, you know, if that is the case, if the nano thing is influencing the way people look at this, mm. I wouldn't be surprised. But I'll tell you, you know, I, I came to Utica mm. because I saw the potential and the opportunity in the town, right? Mm. Um, just to give you a little bit of background on where I grew up, I grew up in... Um, Please, I love it. I mean, that's what I'm looking for here. I yeah. love this. <laughs> so I grew up in uh, a place called Allentown, Pennsylvania. Allentown, like the um, Billy Joel song. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So in Allentown, Bethlehem, Easton, they're sort of tri-cities, kind of sure. like Utica, Rome. Um, but the hospital where I grew up when I was a kid, um, both my parents worked at what was the Lehigh Valley Hospital. Mm -hmm. And sure. you know, by my recollection, it was no bigger than St. Luke's is right now. Right. Um, so to make a very long story short, what happened as I grew up was, you know, that hospital developed a cancer center and then acquired some other facilities. And anybody drives through Allentown right now, you'll see this monstrosity of a healthcare system because the Lehigh Valley Health Network is now one of the biggest magnet healthcare systems mm -hmm. in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, and the town really blossomed around that burgeoning healthcare system. Now, granted, you know, the Utica-Rome market is not quite as big as the Allentown-Bethlehem-Easton market, but, you know, as I was exploring my options leaving the military, yeah. that's one of the things that really attracted me to Utica because I saw a very similar potential. Maybe not a, you know, Lehigh Valley Hospital System or Lehigh Valley Health Network sort of potential, but I saw the opportunity to help this city revitalize around a growing and burgeoning healthcare system because we've got a lot of growth potential. We have a lot of potential for efficiency. This strikes me as funny because I was having conversations on the back porch of my neighbor's house a couple of years after I was here going, what we really need is one hospital. And then a couple of years later, here we are. So, you know, if people are looking at this as, you know, stuff always gets stolen away from Utica, I'd tell you, I see it exactly the opposite. I see this as tremendous potential opportunity tremendous potential and mm. you know it's all depends on the approach we take and the question i want to ask you really is yeah. uh you know you're inside the hospital this is what i was this is what i was bringing up my friend Ann yeah. Alley for like i think about it from the outside perspective as a person who yeah. lives in utica who will be affected by the conversation around the hospital mm -hmm. but when i talked to my friends who work yeah. in the hospital industry they yeah. had more direct opinion on it because they see the day-to-day -day workings yeah as somebody who sees probably a, a many different hospitals mm -hmm. uh would you say that there is, is there a need for new technology or a more up-to-date oh, system? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you see it like on the front lines and we are it's in unbelievable. need of Yeah. Yeah. The, the, so you got to remember healthcare is changing. Yeah. Right. Um, everything is technology based nowadays and a lot of what everyone does, our nurses, our physicians, sure. our administrators, it's all based on efficiency, mm. right? We, we have more and more to yeah. do and less and less time to do it. And buildings like St. Elizabeth's Medical Center and, and St. Luke's Hospital, they're not designed with modern efficiency in mind no and i have to admit that of there's always been a joke around like growing up in my family like if i was walking down the street and i fell and hurt my back on the corner yeah. my, for my last words would be like don't take me to st eve's take me somewhere else take me to st yeah. luke's take me to st luke's yeah. because it st eve's always reminded me growing up of like the hospital from the 70s it yeah. seemed like it didn't seem well it was built in 1917 yeah yeah, yeah, yeah there it, you go. and it's a and again i understand the the, the nursing school does so much for the community, but it doesn't seem like a modern facility when you walk into it from yeah. the outside. And I'm not, I'm not in any way, you know, trying to 
have any concept about what the people who do hard work there. That's nothing about yeah. them. I'm saying yeah. that facility doesn't do them any favors, I yeah. don't think, there, from the outside perspective. There's a really big perception on the part of consumers, healthcare yeah. consumers, whether it's in Utica or Allentown or in yeah. California, that the environment by which the care is delivered is almost as important yes. as the people who deliver totally the care. Agreed. Yeah. And we struggle with that. I mean, you talked about the age of St. Elizabeth. Now, I spent... 34 years working yeah. at St. Elizabeth, and I see it for what it, oh, yeah. it's been for all those years. Of course. But if it's your first time, a guy your age coming into the hospital, yeah. and it's, it looks nothing like the TV shows. No, it doesn't. And you know, it doesn't look like Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Uh, the staff might, but the space doesn't. Right, exactly. And it does, it does lend itself to the uh, lead uh, patients and their families to believe that it maybe it's subpar mm. because of its appearance. And I'm not, yeah, I'm not, and again, I'm not trying to speak anything about the quality of the service that people receive there. I know many folks who go there who love the, the doctors and the nurses and everyone, the staff who takes care of them. Yeah. I'm just talking specifically from my experiences walking in that hospital, even comparing that hospital to St. Luke's. Yeah. It seems like different eras that they were built in, like yeah. specifically very, very different. Yeah. Well, 50 years difference. 50 years difference. It, yeah. it shows when you walk yeah. in, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But even aside of that, you know, it's, again, healthcare is evolving and... <laughs> No discredit to the facilities we have. We can we know we can do a lot more for the community sure. in a new space because you know, both from a physician or nurse perspective, you know, you think about just the way you organize your day and mm. if we can make a physician's life easier by helping him get to patient to patient and family sure. to family more efficiently, you know, the patients and the families themselves mm-hmm. will have a more positive experience and as much as you can turn a stay in the hospital into a positive experience, it's probably a good thing to do. You know, take an example of, you know, right now in a lot of our facilities, you know, it's not uncommon to be in an elevator, you know, beside a, you know, patient in transit. Yes. Right? Those are things that in a new hospital go away, you know, and patients don't have to be worried about to whom they're exposed as they go from a room to, you know, a radiology study or something. Um, but can you imagine the perception of a new young graduating physician out of a residency program mm. who quite frankly has dozens of opportunities yeah. where to resettle and take a position. And they come to us and walk through St. Elizabeth or St. Luke's mm. and then go off to the latest um, built hospital in you know Tampa, Florida or yeah. Las Vegas. So not only do we have to compete with the size of the city, but mm. now we have to compete with the infrastructure of our, our facilities. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, the current sort of status of where things are as yeah. of today. Um, and I know I've, I've went and did a little bit of research on some reports from CNY Business Journal from the last few days. WIBX had some stuff. Um, you guys are currently, are you guys currently in the process of dealing with property owners who are down there right now? Is that sort of where yeah. things are right I, now? I can give a quick update on that. Yeah, sure. Uh, so there are 36 property owners on the footprint. Mm-hmm. Of that 36, one of them is the city of Utica, which has right. 10 different properties. So mm-hmm. put them aside. The remaining 35, uh, as of today, we now have eight that have verbally mm-hmm. or in writing agreed to the offer that was made. Right. So that leaves 19 that we're actively negotiating. When I say mm-hmm. actively negotiating, there are calls all day long with their attorneys or the property owners asking questions mm-hmm. about this aspect or that aspect. So we feel of those 19, we are going to resolve it to their satisfaction and ours relatively soon, which leaves eight property owners mm-hmm. where either they have not responded at all, and there are some who have just absolutely not acknowledged any of our letters, phone calls, or mm-hmm. correspondence. Right. And then there are three who have told us they will not sell. They will not sell. Yeah. Now, what go? Now, um, 
Okay. So what sort of happens in that process if you just get people who will not sell? Does it go to like litigation? Is this like a courtroom type Rock, paper, scissors. Rock, paper, scissors. Really? That's it. Arm wrestling. That's the move. I think arm wrestling would be well, a good one. Arm wrestling is a good one. I'm, I'm pretty frail in the right arm here. I have to get the elbow fixed. Uh, uh, well, the, the process would be, uh, first and foremost, um, we're not going to give up until we've been able to reach all of the individuals yeah. one way or another. Sure. Um, but at the end of the day, if um, someone doesn't sell then we will have to utilize a, a local agency, whether it's the city or the county, and begin the process of uh, eminent domain. Yeah. Now, uh, I've had a couple people on the show, particularly, and again, over the years, my personal stance for many years yeah. was always, man, when I drive home from Varick Street, or I pick up my buddy from the brewery and got on the way home from work, right? If I drive down Columbia or Lafayette, we would have conversations way before anyone was talking about the hospital, but man, this is a crummy-looking section of Utica. And I can't yep. think of any one particular business that would draw people to this particular area, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will point at Taylor and the Cook, and I worked for Taylor and the Cook for years. I'm friends with Tim. There's no guarantee that Taylor and the Cook works in... It works in a vacuum. If you put Taylor and the Cook on Lafayette Street, I don't know if it's the same restaurant, right? That's mm-hmm. a very particular... Restaurants in general are not something that you can guarantee are always successful. I always would say there's really almost nothing I could think of that you could put in this block that would make people want to walk down here. It's like, I wish there was, I used to casually say, I wish there was a way you could almost like revitalize this whole block at once. So when the downtown hospital conversation began, my first immediate thought was, that's it. This cleans up this whole section of town. Now, there is an argument that seems to be going around, and I want to see if there's any, that people say that the hospitals do not revitalize downtowns. And I, this seems like an opinion <laughs> more than a, a fact, necessarily. Is this just, like, a conversation? Like, people don't, re- I don't know if you can guarantee that anything revitalizes in. You have an idea what it can or cannot do, potentially. Right. Yeah. Well, we can't guarantee what it's going to bring. Right. But we oh, can no. point to a number of examples. <sighs> we all know Buffalo. Buffalo is a city that has been, been in decline for decades. Mm. And their healthcare system has done a complete uh, rebuilding of itself, including its facilities. Yeah. Now, downtown Buffalo is a brand new location mm. where the hospitals have, have moved into their new facilities, and that businesses, which are supported by the hospitals and its employees, have cropped up all around that area. Yeah. You know, often in the past, when people have said to me, well, we think it's a really bad idea to put the hospital downtown because we think it would be better suited for something else. I would ask the question, well, what's that something else? Right. And, exactly. and, and they said, well, we think it would be better off to have bars, restaurants, lofts, and bistros. Mm. And, and, I, and my, my only thought to that was I, I really never got into the debates with them because I felt that I would always just lose. No. Uh, but, you know, we, we've got some really nice bars and bistros and lofts in town. Yeah. But we need a population of people that can help support those going exactly. forward. Exactly. And I'm not sure that five more restaurants down Columbia and Lafayette are going to draw people downtown. Yeah. Maybe the night of a hockey game, there might be a few more people sitting at the bar. I mean, uh, the Ocean Blue's done a great job. The Hotel Utica, uh, Doubletree has done a great job. Now, we feel that when we... First of all, I, I do want to mention, there's a lot of businesses in that footprint that are yeah. going concern businesses. Yeah. And, and, and they may not be bars or bringing in large numbers of people from a retail perspective, mm-hmm. but many of them do a very robust business. Yeah, sure. People come to town for them. But um, our, our perspective has always been, if we put this facility downtown and we not only rejuvenate that area, but the area that surrounds it, 
we'll have 2,000 employees down there every day. Yeah. And plus, those other businesses they have to relocate are going to relocate elsewhere in our county, in the city, which is currently a vacant building. So the thought is that's a win-win. Well, it, it is a win-win, but the concern I feel like on some people's ends, at least some businesses, is they are not going to be properly compensated for what they would have to do to move. Like, uh, And again, I'm not talking about all businesses, but I've had, you know, when Rachel from the Compassion Coalition was here, they didn't seem like they felt like they were being properly compensated for what they thought was property. So, you know, in situations like that, is there other options, or does it simply just go to, like, whoever, whatever the, they decide? You know what I mean? It, well, by the way, the Compassion Coalition is a net group of 19 that we have active uh, dialogue with. Sure, wonderful. So we feel as though that we will have resolution mm-hmm. with compassion sure. before this is over with. Um, good people, yeah. which I, I believe um, others may have been speaking on their behalf. Sure. When, when maybe sure. it wasn't really their words. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, there's a difference. You know, we, we did appraisals of properties. Sure. And those appraisals are based on how much is that building Right, worth. right, right. And, and, and some of the property owners really looked at it as, well, how much is it going to cost me to build someplace else or to go elsewhere, which is a, obviously a consideration. But the appraisal amount was what people were offered. We, right. did, we didn't offer them 10% below or 30% low to give us enough space for negotiations. Mm-hmm. Everyone got the full appraised value for their property. Yeah. Well, and again, I, I'm just sort of spitballing here because in my mind, you know, I lived in New York City. I've lived in enough cities where, you know, the hospitals were just part of the general landscape of this, you know, it was next to a park and then next to a block of things, whatever. It just was what it was. Yeah. Uh, and I know that, and I know that there's no, you can't always guarantee that if you build it, people will come. But I feel like I have a stronger feeling that if you don't build it, people will continue to not come. Right? I don't see any... I agree with Yeah, you. you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't see this huge rush for all these buildings all of a sudden just because there's the potential that a hospital could go there and I'm like, oh, well, then now there's a hospital coming, I gotta buy one of these buildings. I don't think that's necessarily happening and never was necessarily. They were but, just sitting down there for 20 years. But there's an awful lot of dialogue hmm. that's really isn't very public because hmm. they don't want to be in the middle of the fray yeah. uh, of people that are going to be either enhancing their businesses or growing in surrounding the hospital area, whether it's additional loft departments or other businesses. And the amount of interest has been quite significant. And I think time will tell. Uh, but but at this particular point, most people are listening to a pretty small minority of sure. detractors. Now, I've just got to ask, and I know there's no answer for this, certainly. Yeah. Let's say they decide... All right, we're going to build the downtown hospital. That's it. We're doing it. We're well, building it. Well, we already did decide that, but yeah. go ahead. Oh, sorry. Let's say we're building it. That's it. When would the actual like beginning of building start? Like, when is the planned construction for said yeah. hospital? Yeah, the timeline going forward right now, there's a what's called Seeker, which is State Environmental Review and Quality Plan. It has to be done for the, the area. That's expected to be done in October. Once that's done, then we can actively start closing on the properties. So in other words, take ownership of the property. So we have signed options now. Seeker's done, and it's included in the option. Mm -hmm. Seeker has to get done. Then we would attain those properties. And then the actual groundbreaking to begin the uh, uh, footers and the construction of a new uh, facility, second quarter of 2019. And that's a three-year process. So it will be done in the summer of 22. Okay, uh, and this is sort of my, my big roundabout question. This seems to be the question that comes up the most when people yeah. talk about the downtown hospital location. Mm-hmm. All right, what is this other location that people talk about, the 64 campus 
area, that they, there's these acres of campus that they think you could put the hospital on instead. Is that a different location? Well, it's St. Luke's. The St. Luke's. They want to rebuild right. on the St. Luke's location? Well, they, um, the, the detractors, right. think that we should use St. Luke's. Um, first of all, St. Luke's is on 64 acres, right. of which a portion of that are wetlands, so we know that we can't build on that portion. Okay. Unless you want to go swimming. Unless you want to sink, yeah. right. Okay. Well, no, we want to be in compliance with the DEC and all the <laughs> well, environmental true. people, too. <laughs> also not sink. It yes. gets us in trouble. Yeah. Um, secondly, we have two buildings that are fully operational on that campus. Yeah. One is our uh, rehabilitation and nursing center, or our long-term care facility, which is going to remain there, and that would be in the middle of this footprint, and then St. Luke's Hospital. So if we were to take a look at 64 acres, yeah. we would end up putting it on the property in a place that we wouldn't normally put, pick to put it there. Right. As we're planning the building of this the hospital, location aside, the hundreds of staff that are participating are designing this thing from the inside out. Yeah. So we have a design of this facility in the shape. We cannot fit it on that location without tearing down St. Luke's right. or putting it on the far end of the property and, and quite frankly, disrupting the operations of the hospital and the long-term care facility mm. for three, three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's, it's something I was always curious about because it comes yeah. up in conversation. But that's to assume yeah. also that the neighbors of St. Luke's and the uh, town of New Harford and others mm. would be any more supportive of that than right, downtown. Then, right. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Michael, from the front lines, what's something you'd be most excited about for a new hospital? Like, what's the one thing you think we need the most in a new hospital? One thing we need the most? I mean, honestly, I just think it's the physical layout. Physical you know, layout. I, I've yeah. been in a lot of different institutions, both military and civilian, mm-hmm. and, you know, I've had to guide visitors to our campuses to different mm-hmm. locations in all three facilities from time to time simply because you get lost, and that's what happens when you own a building for a long time. It gets renovated, things get moved, and it's hard to get around. You know, and then right now, if we get into this new facility, it's just going to make everybody's life much, much easier. Can I say, and I, I yeah. know this is a little off subject, and I, yeah. you know, I don't want to get into too much of this. I just thinking about the concept of what it must have been like to go through medical school and also be in active service in the military is incredibly impressive to it me. Was, it was an interesting ride. Yeah, yeah so glad I did it, though. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Well, I think it's... I'm, Incredibly impressive. I was thinking about Thank that earlier. Like, I can barely like go to work and do this podcast without being like, God, I'm so tired. My life is so hard, right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, guys, I want to thank you so much for coming on and talking about this stuff today. Um, yeah. If people want to uh, reach out to you guys for any further information, is there a place people can send questions, comments yeah. about anything? On our website, sure. MVHS website, we have a new hospital tab. On there is an update of everything that's transpired up to this point. Mm-hmm. We update it relatively regularly, sure. especially when there's something new. But we also have a section on there where you can ask a question. Mm-hmm. And we get questions all the time. Uh, uh, we get questions from the press uh, on a daily basis. Sure. But we get questions from uh, local uh, residents who will ask, you know, what, what's going to happen with this? I didn't hear this was going to be part of the plan. Mm-hmm. And we can get back to them on there. So, with this change, it, it can be fearful for some people. Yeah. So they say, well, we understand when you build this, you're going to get rid of your trauma service. Yeah. No, that's not true. That's not true, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, things like that. Yeah, I hear you. Well, and that's, and that's sort of an important thing, too, is that open channel of communication helps mm-hmm. to allot a lot of those concerns. If you if you feel like you can reach out and get an answer back about something that you were confused about, helps you feel a little bit more at ease. And again, I don't think that's always well done by, 
by everyone when people reach out. I'm not. I'm the worst with that. People tweeted me and send messages, and I forget that they're there. I'm the yeah. worst. I'm sorry, uh, guys. I want again thank you so much. Before I let you guys go, mm-hmm. are you guys ready to do some lightning round questions? Go just for in a little it. bit. La- I know this was kind of. A, I feel like we got heavy conversation. Heavy. Here. <laughs> heavy. Let's con- loosen it up a little bit. <laughs> loosen it up yeah. a little bit. Uh, Bob and Michael. Bob, I'm going to start with you, and we're going to go serpentine fashion back and forth. These are the same six questions we ask everybody who's been on the show. Mm-hmm. Bob, I will start with you. Bob, when you wake up in the morning, how do you take your coffee? Cream and sugar. Cream and sugar. Have you never you never done the black coffee thing? No, never black coffee. I'm only drinking black coffee currently because I'm out of cream and sugar, and I gotta say it's not. I'm not enjoying it. <laughs> it's it's to truth be known, I prefer a little coffee with my cream and sugar. That's pretty fair. Okay. <laughs> uh, Michael, same question for you. Coffee when you wake up. If you want to start controversy, I, I don't drink coffee. What do you, do you tea man? No, I, no I, caffeine? I, just, I don't really do either of them. Wow. Well, I, I drink caffeine, but I drink that bad stuff that you shouldn't drink. Oh, like Red Bull? Yeah, that's sort of stuff. I'll tell you what. When I was living in New York and I was doing the commute between... Um, I was working in the restaurant. I was working yeah. in... I was going to college and I was living in Nyack with my sister. So uh-huh. I was like traversing. I was doing like the five-hour energies. Yeah, yeah. You guys are in the medical field. You guys should put something against those. There should be some sort of thing. There's, I felt like my heart was going to explode. I'm like, there's something wrong with this. I don't know yeah. what this is. It's not a good thing. It's not good. I still warn people off of it, but I, I do it myself. Nah, so. that's, that's the way it like works, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. uh, Michael, I'll stay with you for this one. What was your first automobile? I had a Ford, a black Ford Escort that I bought... Um, that was the first one I purchased. The first automobile that I probably drove regularly was this awesome mid-1980s Crown Victoria. Yes! The thing was a boat, and the, the wheel would spin, you know, ju- just like a, a boat. It was awesome. <laughs> my, my Driving that thing through college was fantastic. <laughs> my Actually, I hate to admit that my last car was a 92 Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra, and I loved it because it yeah. had the still had the the seats like you could sit six and like three in the front, oh, which yeah. is super illegal. I think you're not supposed to do that anymore. Yeah. But uh, good times with the bench seating. Yeah. Bob, same question. First car, 1967 Chevy Bel Air convertible. Hell yeah, Chevy Bel Air. You yeah. want convertible? That's, that's a convertible. Yeah. <laughs> Drove that thing to Holland Patton. That's the year and a half of high school. Well, you may have driven it to Holland Patton High School, but did you drive it to your first live music event? And which and what was it? My first live music event, I was a very young kid. My father took me to go see the Carpenters. Yes, really? At the, at the Utica Auditorium. And I thought that was the greatest thing in the world. Wow, the Carpenters. My mom is going to be really jealous. She loves uh, the Carpenters. That, that, was in wow. the, that was in the 70s. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I would love to see the Carpenters. That was well before my time. Right, well, what was your first live music event then, uh, Dr. Michael? I actually went to see, with some buddies of mine in high school, um, you two perform oh. at the University of Pennsylvania nice. when we were high school seniors. Yeah. Mm. That was a good show. Do you remember? I was going to sound. Do you remember what like album that was? But yeah, that was what is is it called? Pop, the one with pop the album. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, I'm like a Pearl Jam guy. I listened to Pearl Jam growing up because yeah. my stepdad listened to the Who, and somehow it turned from like the Beatles to the Who to Pearl Jam. Oh yeah. Um, but somewhere along the way, I, I kind of I stumbled into that one. Yeah. <laughs> but to get a little credibility here, Bruce Springsteen was my first uh, high school concert. So Born to Run scene. album had just come out, and they were here in town. So that's pretty good. My dad only listens that's to a good two, one too. He's only got two albums in his house. And my old man, he, he I'll tell him all the time. He's just Frank Sinatra and Bruce Springsteen. That's it. There's the only two albums I think he's ever listened to oh, in yeah? his life. I don't even know if he's ever like. <laughs> yeah. I put on like a I put on like a regular pop song one day in the car, and he's like. What is this, Metallica? I'm like, geez, man, you are. You're something else, yeah. man. Something. Frank's what I put on when I want to torture my kids because I'll sing. Yes. Yeah. And then the 11-year-old can't stand it. <laughs> She's like, stop, Dad. Uh, I forgot where I went with Serpentine, but I'm going to go back to you on this one. Give me one book, album, movie, or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. 
you know what? I am re-listening to Beatles Abbey Road again. Oh, it's one of my absolute yeah. favorites, and I, I listened to the um, uh, Beatles channel on Sirius XM nice. on the way home from work, and I heard a couple of songs, so I popped that CD and put it in the car. I'm actually uh, so much of a dirty, pretentious hipster that I have Abbey Road on vinyl. It was my mom's copy. Nice. Right? We actually have the record player that works. It's still... Uh, I still get some free hipster points for that when I talk about it. I have I have all those old vinyl Beatle albums. <laughs> They're great, man. Them. Absolutely. Yeah. I love the vinyl, too. And that's It's funny. I just read somewhere that for the first time in like 10, 20 years, like CDs and vinyl are outselling like digital music subscriptions. Wow. So like, that's awesome. well, a lot of people are going to like the streaming services, yeah. now, like Spotify or something. So no yeah. one's like buying songs from iTunes anymore. Yeah. If they want the product... You buy a record, or you buy something where you feel like you're getting a physical yeah, something piece tangible. of yeah, tangible. Yeah, it's yeah, that tangibility. Yeah. Uh, same question for you. Give me one book, album, movie, or show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. So, so we've been. My daughters and I have been going through the entire recent catalog of Marvel movies. Oh, because, very uh, nice. They've gotten very into that. So this weekend mm. it was the two Avengers movies, <laughs> Thor Ragnarok <laughs> and uh, Ant Man. We have a couple more to go through. I haven't seen Ant Man yet. Uh, I like that Paul Rudd. Yeah, he's uh, I, good. He's I watched good. Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which is pretty good. I really enjoyed Kurt Russell, so I think yeah. I get a little more mileage out of that movie than most people. If you're not a huge yeah. Kurt Russell fan, it's like, okay, let's move yeah. on from Kurt and his crazy hair. Yeah, but they're a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, Bob, I'll come back to you for this one. If you could have dinner with any person, living or dead, who is not your relative, who would it be and why? John Lennon. John Lennon. Oh. Well, going back to my, my love for the Beatles, I think that would be a... Uh, a very uh, interesting conversation mm. to talk about that transition from from Fab Four pop star mm. to somebody who had more of a purpose in his music. It's interesting because I, I grew up with the Beatles as like the soundtrack of sort of my growing up childhood. My stepdad would was one of those guys who had um, like speakers all through the house, like he yeah. had them wired through the walls and stuff. So he would put his music on, it would like blare down the street. Like our neighbors would laugh about it. Like geez, he's playing the Beatles. Are like full volume at 7 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, you know. But, um, but I grew up to, like, love that music. And what's interesting to me now is working in education is that not that kids like the Beatles, because they certainly they don't, they don't care about it, but kids still know who the Beatles are, even without real, like, cultural prompting. I think it's just sort of weaved itself. Yeah, it's part of the fabric. Yeah, it's part of the fabric now. In, especially even now when kids don't even listen to the same music as their friends. It's yeah. this whole digital world where everyone's in their own little bubble now it's nice that the Beatles still have some sort of uh, cachet with oh, most yeah. people so definitely um, same question for you if you had dinner with any person living or dead who is not your relative who would it be and why so I hate to be a little bit morose about it but I would actually have dinner with a gentleman named specialist Brian Bowman mm. who uh, was one of my medics when we were mm. deployed to Afghanistan mm. and uh, Brian unfortunately was killed in action in January of 2010 and uh, I'll tell you, I have two big regrets in life, and one of them was not spending more time with Brian when we had the chance. So uh, I wear the memorial bracelet on my wrist every day to remind me of him, and he's probably the guy I'd pick. I hear you, brother. Um, I have this uh, little white wrist bracelet on that I've uh, had. He was uh, not quite, the, not quite the same, quite the same, the same drummer. Played in my band for many years, oh, yeah? and he uh, he got he had cancer at twenty five and sort of passed oh, away. Oh, that's terrible. I'm sorry. It's just tough, and I think that it. When you experience like loss at certain times in your life, it, it helps sort of, yeah. you know, it, it doesn't make you hard or harder certainly, but I think it sort of ingrains you to empathy with other people. You yeah. learn that that 
that grief and that sadness and, yeah. and it helps build empathy for others and yeah. stuff too. It reframes your yeah. perspective. Yeah, yeah. great. That's what it does. I love it. I love yeah. it. Um, and guys, I guess we can come together for this last one if you guys want to do it together or not. Uh, give me one more thing that you guys are passionate about. I like to do obstacle course races, like your Spartan races. Oh, very nice. Have you done the uh, the Barden Mudfest? I haven't done Barden yet. That's actually mm. one of the few I haven't. But uh, we have a uh, team from our New Hartford medical office that's nice. coming together to run. And I've been challenged by my friend, Dr. Chris Clark, to oh, uh, nice. come run with them. So I'm going to see if I can free up the time and do that. Wonderful. Uh, and Bob, same question. One more thing that you are passionate about. You know, I became a grandfather for the first time uh, last July, and uh, little Ethan was born very early, mm. and had all kinds of um, issues at first, but sure. now he's a healthy eight-month-old, and you know, I, I look look forward to seeing him more than anything these days. Bob's a tough kid. Yeah, that's wonderful. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, guys, I want to thank you so much for spending the time with us today. Um, you know, again, I know that this is an issue that is probably going to be talked about continuing until the day that the buildings actually start and even probably beyond them. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, it's an important issue. Uh, this city has done really, I think it's been, you know, since I've come back, you know, when I left New York, when I left for New York the first time, I did that thing that everyone does where I'm like, I'm, I'm never coming back to Utica. I'm leaving here. I got all these problems here and I'm, I'm done. I'm going to move to New York City. I'm going to be a superstar, right? Yeah. Moved to New York, and I had all the same problems I had here. Just like, mm-hmm. oh, man, i still kind of crummy, huh? Like, I'm saying. a whole lot more people around There's more people and less money. And I was like, ah, geez. So, you know, I think that as I've come back and I got involved in Made in Utica, and I got to meet all these wonderful, like, small businesses and entrepreneurs and, and young people and old people, like, who want to do something to make this city better again. You know, yeah. I, I grew up in right at the tail end of the, you know, last one out of Utica turn off the lights era. That was mm-hmm. sort of the mentality growing up around here. And it's been a big focus of us to sort of fight back against that, mm-hmm. I feel like, a sort of a false narrative about this city. Because the city could be as much as we want it to be if people Agreed. get behind it. It's so. all about opportunity, like I said earlier. And that's what drew me to this community. I still see it. And the hospital is really at the epicenter of that right now. Wonderful. Uh, often I'll tell people that we can't forget about the past. And that's what a lot of people are focusing yeah. on right now. But in order to be successful, we have to move forward. Yeah. Bob, Michael, I want to thank you guys so much for coming thank in you. today. I really do yeah, appreciate it. Uh, folks, we'll be back to the show in just a moment. Once again, uh, to Bob and Dr. Michael and all the folks from MVHS who came down. Great time. Nice nice talking to those folks. Uh, again, an issue I'm sure we'll revisit again as time gets closer. Um, I did sort of ask them during the interview. I was like, let's once this is all like going, it's like 2022 is when the hospitals theoretically would be up, I think. Mm-hmm. This seems weird. I'm trying to think of like what it would look like in 2022 if it was different. Like, would that, so how different it would look actually, if, it, if and when or if mm-hmm. it does actually show up, right? So... I don't know. Interesting stuff. Uh, all right. Again, 
I know you guys hate the history lessons. We love them. They're not as good this week. All right. Great. <laughs> On this day, 1914, Sir Alec Guinness, British actor, was born. Can you name any movies that Sir Alec Guinness was in, Heather? No. You sure? I don't know. Okay. Kevin, want to take a shot? Star Wars. Oh, yes. okay, yeah. He was Obi-Wan Kenobi. In Star Wars, yes. Uh, he was also in the movie Great Expectations, Oliver Twist, The Bridge Over the River Kwai, for which he won an Academy Award in 1957. Great movie. It's a great dad movie. Like, that was my... It's my a very dad, strong dad movie. My stepdad's favorite movie. Very strong dad what movie. What was it again? The Bridge on the River Kwai. Oh, no. It's about uh, British soldiers getting captured by the Japanese during World War II, and they are forced to build a bridge over this river. Oh. And over building the bridge, they sort of learn to work together, and they get past the... Seems like a dad. You might know, they've got the... Yeah, it's, it's World War II. It's a good flick. Yeah. Movie. They've got a really famous uh, theme from the movie that they whistle. You might know if you heard it. Okay. Uh, no, is that it? No. That's, that's Great Escape. I'm I don't know what that is. That was from Great Escape. Um, that's the Steve McQueen movie. Yeah, that sounded like uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. Yeah, no, that'd be all right. Yeah, yes, it was. It did sound like that. You know, sorry, I had to let you cat out of the studio. God, he's been hassling me a lot today. All right. Uh, I want to talk about Star Wars for a second, though, because this is sort of the thing that Alec Guinness sort of became the most well-known for over time, was playing Obi-Wan Kenobi. And it's actually something he didn't really enjoy. He's one of only three British actors to ever make the transition from, like, Shakespearean theater to, like, blockbuster movies after the end of the World War. Because he fought in World War II as well. Um, which I always think is interesting. When you have, like, an athlete or a celebrity from this era who, like, like Ted Williams or something. It's like, what happened to Ted Williams? For these years? Oh, he just left playing baseball to go to war, right? What happened to this actor? Oh, on a ship. War. War. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, so, apparently, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, the character that he played, he didn't like it. Even though it got him an Academy Award and a Golden Globe nomination, he wrote in letters to his friends that the film was, quote, fairy tale rubbish. Uh, and that the only accepted, he only wanted to do it because they doubled his initial salary offer. Uh, he also said that he was the one who had the idea to kill off Obi-Wan Kenobi in the first movie so that he, quote, didn't have to go on speaking those bloody awful banal lines. I've had enough of that mumbo jumbo, unquote. Uh, Al Guinness. That's funny. I like though. it. <laughs> I'm a big fan. <laughs> uh, on this day, 1917, U.S. President Woodrow Wilson asked Congress to declare war against Germany. Um, this was after the early 1917 German submarines launched unrestricted submarine attacks on the U.S. Also around the same time, the Zimmerman Telegram. There's your high school high school history. What's the Zimmerman Telegram? Remember that one? That was a letter that Germany sent to Mexico to try and persuade them to enter into an alliance against us. Zimmerman telegram. Um, I don't know. That's all the high school history I have for you for oh, today. That's it? That's it. No, that's, well, that's all the oh. hard history. Oh. Um, this day, 1921, Albert Einstein lectures in New York City on his new theory of relativity. But what was kind of interesting is uh, he was kind of a jerk. <laughs> he came to America. Uh, it was the first time he'd ever been there. Uh, and when media members sat and uh, asked him about his theory of relativity, he responded with two sentences. Falling bodies are subject independent to clauses, and light in diffusion is bent. He then reclined back, unwilling to waste any energy to explain further. <laughs> Einstein was fond of saying that only 12 scientists in the world understood the theory of relativity, and those 12 were, quote, enough to spread the gospel in the scientific community. It's a baller move. I can't, Boss move. I can't, do it, do it. <laughs> I kind of respect it. Um... I feel like that's kind of crazy. Like he traveled around in 1921 as one of like the smartest men in the world, 
And he was really over more for being a celebrity than he was for anything he said during his lectures, right? He just, he was super famous. Kind of crazy. Must have been interesting to be famous in the 20s. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do people even know who you are, right? It's a whole different time. Yeah. You might still be able to, like, I don't know, it might be nice. It would go around without people necessarily knowing no, who no, you are. Business. Right, but like, you, know, you I, could walk into places. Yeah. That's what I always like, say. I bet you be rich. Yeah. I don't want to be famous. Yeah. You can accidentally get famous today because of like viral stuff yeah. for the wrong reasons, right? Sure. One viral video. But like, how famous did you have to be in 1921 that people in other countries knew who you yeah. were? Do you know what I mean? Like, that's the thing that's crazy to me. Like, you must have been so famous. It's crazy stuff. Um, we're going to talk today about the first portable cell phone call made in the United States. What year do you think it was? Just figure I'd get you guys guess before I tell you. First phone, not the first, like, ca- casual phones that people are using. The first actual cell phone 80 call. 80. Kevin? No, 1984. 1973. First mobile phone call was made 40 years ago today, April 3rd, 1973. Well, apparently 45 years because this is an old article. <laughs> Uh, Motorola employee Martin Cooper used a prototype of what would be called the Motorola Dynatech 8000. Uh, he stood on the corner of 6th Avenue between 53rd and 54th Street in New York City, and he called the headquarters of Bell Labs in New Jersey. Uh, the substance of the call is lost to history, but it probably wouldn't compete to the first telegram message that was sent, which was, quote, What hath God wrought? Unquote. That was the first, <laughs> that was the first telegram message. The first phone call was, Mr. Watson, come here. I want to see you. Unquote. And the first ever text message just said, Merry Christmas. Oh. So there you go. You learned something about the first text message today. I'm glad. Um, 1986. Uh, a gentleman named Mikkel Palmquist from Sweden broke the record at that time for juggling a soccer ball nonstop. It's the Guinness World Record. How long do you guys think he juggled a soccer ball in 1986? Wow. Three hours. Three hours, Kev. 17 weeks. 14 hours and 14 <laughs> minutes. Uh, since then, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 people have broken that record since Why? 1985. I don't know. <laughs> including a gentleman... So that they would be talked about on the number one podcast <laughs> on Stitcher. <laughs> and in 1995, the record was broken by a Russian gentleman named Nikali Kusenko, who juggled the ball for 24 hours and 30 minutes. Why? How? Why? I don't understand. Like, there's certain things, again, like, I understand you can get famous for anything these days, but is this what you want to go in the books for? I don't even know what, if there's anything I could even attempt to get in the Guinness Book of World Records for. Like, not one thing in the planet no. that I'm good enough at. You can start something. You have to start something new. That's the only way you can new. get into it, right? Most businesses started and failed. Me. That's going to be it. Most, most novels unfinished. Um... All right, and last one. This isn't even a history lesson. In this day, 19, uh, 2009, Metallica, Run DMC, and Eminem were all introduced into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Heather and Kevin, if you were forced to listen to only one of these three artists for the rest of your life, only one of these three, Metallica, Run DMC, and Eminem, which one would you begrudgingly take? And I don't get to listen to anything outside of them? Metallica, Run DMC, Eminem. You only get one. That's it. Which one are you going to bat for? Metallica. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be Metallica, right? Yeah. This is a more variety of things. I'm like, not like stoked about that <laughs> no, choice. No, but yeah. they have more variety. So. I was tr- I wanted to make an argument for Run DMC, and then realized I only know like three Run DMC songs. <laughs> like I really don't know that many other songs they do. Yeah, that would turn those. Well, actually, Run DMC, or that would be one of those kind of things. It's like ah, eh, you don't even. No, because it's like Run DMC. I, like there's two Run DMC songs I know pretty much, like Christmas in Hollis and the one they did with Aerosmith, right? And there's I'm sure there's more. Like I'm sure <laughs> there are. A couple I'm sure. More. <laughs> There's more. I just can't they think about top a couple of the tracks. Listen to listen to Peter Piper. You can put that. I'll, I'll put that, that can be your go out song today. Peter Piper. Mind. I'll see if I, I can run find. DMC. All right. I recognize all. the bells in that beat because they've been sampled everywhere since then. Mm. The original. I can't remember if they who they came from, but those bells that they use in that song have been sampled out in tons of songs since then. I like when that happens. Sometimes I think there's this is super off topic. Isn't there like a Dr. Dre drum beat on that track Explosive that gets used for rap beats? All the time. There's an old Dr. Dre song called Explosive off, like, The Chronic 2001, and it's, like, a famous drum sample that they use for a lot of other drum stuff. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, all right, guys. I saw this story today. <laughs> Did you is this the OD? Did, no, I don't This is from the OD. Okay. <laughs> this is the headline, and I just, I thought this was, like, the most charming crime I've ever heard of. Uh, two Rome women are facing charges after police seized nearly 28,000 untaxed cigarettes from them. Mm-hmm. The street value of these cigarettes was estimated to be $8,500. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> the driver of the I heard ve- about that today on the radio. Wait, where did they get them? Uh, well, the driver of the vehicle the was, traffic stop. Yeah, was found oh. to have a suspended driver's license as well. Uh, the officers recovered 10,000 unstamped cigarettes in the vehicle and another 17,000 unstamped cigarettes located at the residence of the driver and her passenger. Uh, the cigarettes were purchased in Bassam, a hamlet in Genesee County, and then taken to Rome by the women. Uh, this is like, this reminds me of that scene in Goodfellas where Henry's a kid and he gets arrested by the cops oh, for selling cigarettes out of the back of the car. This seems like a very 1950s crime. It doesn't seem like something people are doing anymore. Well, these are even more so because they're not like, they're not selling um, brands and things like <laughs> yeah. cartons. They could, they're selling them in plastic bags. Plastic bags. I used to know, yeah, I used to, <laughs> in a restaurant I used to work in, there were a couple of girls who worked there, younger girls, who would get cigarettes from whoever they got them from. Huh. And they would have them, like, in... They'd be like, oh, yeah, these are the equivalent of, like, a Newport. Or this is the equivalent of, like, a Marlboro or whatever. Hmm. And they would have a big plastic bag full of, like, 400 cigarettes. And they'd sell them to people. This is weird. It's so yeah, yeah. bizarre to me. Yeah, because people make them and produce them. And they sell them for cheaper. I, mean, I can't imagine how bad... Cigarettes already have bad stuff in them now. I can't imagine what a generic cigarette has in it. <laughs> Were you ever a cigarette person? No. I definitely, I'm still, I, my mom yells at me for this because I'll never tell her that I'm not, that I'm, I've quit smoking cigarettes because I refuse to say that I won't take a cigarette somewhere if I want one, Didn't right? did famous wrestler Dino Bravo get killed for this same kind of crime? I believe By like true. some Canadian mob for running I, like off-brand cigarettes? I believe that's true. In the 80s, yeah, Dino Bravo from like WrestleManias when we were a kid yes. was murdered by like some Canadian, French Canadian mafia. cigarettes? Like, yeah, for like bootlegging cigarettes. Yeah, I want to say that. I want to laugh at them, I'm laughing like, uh, you can laugh at Dino Bravo. Even, like that's your way, the way you go. Here, hang on. I'm looking up Canadian strongman Dino Bravo on Wikipedia to see if yeah, here we go. Murder uh, on March 10th, 1993. Oh. Uh, Canadian strongman Dino Bravo was found shot dead at 44. Uh, his note. Let's see here. It is popular. What was that date? March 10th, 1993. Oh, okay. That would have been a crazy if it was like this. I was going to say, I thought we were close. The ultimate history lesson. I'm trying to see what it said. It said, yeah, it was connected to some sort of mob shooting. Believed to the authorities with organized crime. Doesn't say anything about cigarettes, but I feel like I've heard that yeah. story before. 
Look at the Canadian strongman Dino Bravo. He's actually know. look at him. No, look how good he's look how good he looks. He's so strong. He looks terrible. He's, Dino he's, Bravo he's, terrible. He's one of the worst wrestlers I've ever seen. Um, so Heather, you brought a story to me today because you were very excited. We were talking about the Tide Pod Challenge. Oh, yeah. Do you want to talk about the nah. new Tide Pod Challenge? Nah. No, apparently. Uh, kids are snorting condoms up their nose and then yes. having it come out to their mouth. And <laughs> they used to. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> what the hell? I don't understand anything anymore. I think sometimes no. like I thought the Tide Pod thing was weird, kinda. Uh, and again, I wonder if this is even a thing or it's just not. some story. There's, no, There's no way this is really a thing, right? They've been doing them since we were little kids yeah, because the news needs something to hyperventilate about to scare parents. <laughs> it's the same thing when we were kids and they were worried about all these different things. Like something happens two or three times like, I'm sweeping the nation. <laughs> it's not sweeping the nation. Everybody's fine. Sweeping the nation. <laughs> uh, I had an article that I was going to talk about and it was a pretty in-depth thing about how smartphone photography is narrowing our memories and changing the way we form memories. Uh, I feel like it's a lot. For us Sounds to... like a lot. That's it's a lot very, of highlighter on a thick package. It's very got. interesting. <laughs> it's basically talking about something called cognitive off- offloading, which is something we've yeah. been doing with our cell phones. Uh, basically, we offload information we no longer feel is necessary to keep important to us. Yeah. An easy one is um, like phone numbers. Is a really common one. Like no one remembers phone numbers uh, I anymore. I don't even know my husband's phone number. Uh, but the thing is, like when we take a lot of photos on our phones, apparently it narrows the way we remember photography and the events that happen as well, because we no longer actually remember things in our brain. And by taking pictures of them, we subliminally allow ourselves to feel like we don't have to remember it as hard. Uh, it's also like when I was in college, I would take my laptop with me, and I would like type notes. And I feel like I never actually learned anything. I did much better when I was writing it down by hand. I don't know why. It depends on the person. Yeah, maybe it depends on the person. Again, I don't need three pages to get into cognitive uploading. We were going to talk about That's it. That's the story we were going to talk about. Bye. 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 (laughs) All right. um, So, because we had a nice long interview today, we're almost done. Heather, uh, I didn't invite you officially yet, but you are invited to this weekend's upcoming. This is the go-home show to WrestleMania here at the Unicast. Uh, I don't know for sure if we are going to do a Uticast WrestleMania preview. Uh, primarily because uh, the guy we talked the most with wrestling about, GFOP Justin Parkinson, is one of those wrestling fans who kind of hates wrestling. And I feel like if I put him on a podcast, he'll just talk about how crappy WrestleMania is going to be for like yes. three hours. Yeah. Yeah, right? it'll be horrible. <laughs> it'll be horrible. <laughs> it'll be it's horrible. As somebody who sits <laughs> and listens to it. He complains when I watch it. All the time. I'm like, why are we watching this if you hate it? He complains about it on Wednesdays, Thursdays. Stupid. Can you believe that? <laughs> now, okay, I'm, I'm not defending him because he does complain about everything, but a common trope of most wrestling fans is to complain about the product. I mean, mo- yeah. wrestling fans have been complaining about wrestling since, like, the dawn of wrestling. It's part of it. But... He takes to another level. Anyway, I'm not sure if we're going to do a WrestleMania show or not. I'd like to just for fun. Here. If you want to come, you certainly can. But you should come for WrestleMania this weekend, if nothing else. It'll be quite the show. Uh, and now, normally, we would do picks for WrestleMania, which is what we do for the house, right? Uh, all the people who come to watch the show will pick the event, and the winner will win the Maiden Utica Uticast Heavyweight Championship, which is a real physical belt that we created. It's amazing. Uh, Heather, I'm not going to ask you to do the picks but uh, for fun, for our listeners here, who will probably not be at the event, I'm going to give you, Heather, the five main events for this year's WrestleMania, and I'm going to get your picks from them. And then next week, I'm going to see how close you are. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, and if you, and if you need background on these wrestlers, I'm willing to give you single line of dialogue no. description for each okay. one, okay? Okay. All right. Uh, the first main event uh, is the Beast Incarnate, Brock Lesnar. 
and his manager Paul Heyman defending the WWE Championship against the big dog False. Roman Reigns. Universal Championship. Universal Championship, yes. Against the big dog Roman Reigns. Which one has one of those have long black curly hair? Yes, Roman Reigns is the one who looks like Aquaman That's from the new Justice part. League movie. Yes. All right. So Heather's taking the heartthrob Roman Reigns. I love it. Okay. In the next match for the this is Christ for the WWE Championship. Now this this one, you have the phenomenal one. AJ Styles, who looks like a like a soccer mom, but is a really good wrestler, uh, versus the artist formerly known as Shinsuke Nakamura. No, currently known as Shinsuke Nakamura. He's a he's a Japanese the wrestler, king of strong style. the king of strong style. He's really he kicks you a lot, and he's no, very. He's not gonna know. So you like AJ Styles? Yeah. AJ Styles. All right, former W uh, UFC Women's Champion Ronda Rousey is teaming up with former Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle to take on Stephanie McMahon and Triple H, the authority behind WWE. Who's going to win? I'm going to go with Stephanie McMahon. Wow, the heels. Because I really didn't like when I saw her round of Rousey on the last time I watched so. Okay, so wrestling is I'm about... I'm into it a little bit. Wrestling's about acting, not about wrestling, and she's not a great actress yet. Yeah, well, she's not going to win. All right, the women's championship match. One of the women's championship matches... Charlotte Flair, the daughter of Ric Flair, Ooh, the women's champion, taking on the Empress of Tomorrow, the dark, mysterious, and vicious Asuka. And undefeated. Undefeated Asuka. for 500 and some odd days. Okay, I'm going to go with her anyway. Yes, Asuka. <laughs> All right, and last but not least, Heather, uh, the classic main event. They're not even sure if it's going to happen yet. They're going to confirm what do you it mean tonight. They're not, sure. they're not sure. They haven't confirmed it yet. So dramatic. The Phenom. <laughs> The man from the darkness, the Undertaker, oh, yeah. will be battling the legend John Cena. Mm -hmm. Who do you got? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with John Cena. John Cena. It's because he's in everything. Sure. Gonna let him win too. Gonna lose. All right. So very good. Great picks. Uh, I predict that based on what you've picked here, you will go one. Three for five. That's my prediction. Five for five. Five for five. We'll see how you did. You're certainly invited to WrestleMania. <laughs> uh, and that's it. That's all I really got for you guys, unless you have desperate desire to do any of the two either-ors I picked. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. You want to do them? Try them out. All right. either-ors. Let's do it. It's a classic segment. Classic <laughs> segment. You guys ready? All right. Uh, you have a choice of three haircuts that you are forced to wear for the rest of your life. You can have the mullet. You can have the jerry curl. Or you can have mutton chops. Which one can you survive the longest time? Mullet. The mullet. Yeah. I feel like the mullet is kind of ironic. You, you could get around back, it. Yeah, pull it back. Work on it. Yeah. No love for the mutton chop. You can't get around the mutton chop anymore, huh? No. Yeah, it's, yeah, not a thing. I had mutton chops one period in time, so I no. feel like that is a thing. No. <laughs> uh, if you are wearing jewelry, some sort of jewelry, watch, necklace, ring, something like that, are you wearing gold jewelry or silver jewelry? Uh, silver. Really? Yeah. When I was a kid... And I was really leaning into the Italian thing. I had like the cross with the gold chain. You know what I'm talking about? And did you have the Italian horn? I did not have <laughs> this like squiggly little carrot thing. <laughs> I did not have the Italian horn. I've seen a lot of Italian horns though. Um, and I had a gold chain as a kid. And then for whatever reason, I was like, I think I like silver better, right? So I ended up like getting like silver stuff. And now if I was gonna get a chain, I'd probably go back to gold. I think I've come back around on gold as I get older. Mm. It's the prestige of gold. Kev? Yeah, I, no, no, silver. <laughs> Find your Lakers fan, purple and gold. I just, yeah, but that's <laughs> what a Lakers fan doesn't mean. <laughs> no. no, silver. Uh, 
All right, you're going to get breakfast. Uh, what breakfast food do you prefer, a waffle or a pancake? Waffle. What? Waffle or a pancake? Yeah, I heard you, but French toast. Mm. <laughs> French toast. It's not an option. It's not an option, but I'd yeah. take French toast over either. Going home to cook. I would take the waffle over the pancake. <laughs> I'm leaving. I'll take the waffle over the pancake, probably. All right, and uh, French last. toast overall. <laughs> last but not least, you have a choice of one dope item that you can have. You can either have unlimited first-class tickets to anywhere in the world, or you can eat for free at any restaurant anywhere. Who was the first one again? Free tickets to anywhere in the world. So if you want to fly to France, boom, you got first-class tickets. Nope, no cost. Or free food at any restaurant forever. Well, I hate flying, so I go free food at free any food. restaurant. So any mm. time I'm in town anywhere, I can just go there and eat. The idea of free first-class tickets is 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 excellent. But I feel like the convenience of being able to walk into any fucking food place and just be like, give it to me now, yeah. would be, it's too much for me to not say, I'd have to take the food. Yeah. I would have to take the first class tickets. I think it's a no-brainer, and I'll tell you why. Mm. Um, <laughs> I think, number one, it's way more expensive. I would, way more expensive. I would rather pay out of pocket for my meal in Paris, France, than for my airplane ticket to right, Paris, France. True. Um, I feel like the the restaurant thing would just turn into like you save some money on food, you'd end up using it around town. It's not gonna force you to get up and go places. Mm. If I could jump on a plane first class anytime I want, that's gonna put a little bit of push behind me to go check out these different places and mm. see these different places. Then when you get there, you can go on a budget. I mean, if you want to give me, you know, a plane ticket to Cambodia, I can eat street food and like noodles for pretty cheap when I get down there, mm. but you're not getting a discount on that airfare. So I just think it's a better value and I think it's going to add more richness to your life. It's a good point because I think... Oh, okay. I know, I just love food. Well, so do I. Like, I'm yeah, not saying I, I would I wish eat. I like flying. It's a, it's a distance thing because if you're only dealing with like everyday like small things, the, the food thing would be dope, mm -hmm. right? If you're just like, I'm going to just, oh, wait, what? I'm getting dinner? Fine, fine, yeah. got it, right? Yep, tell her uh, But like... <laughs> I guess you, you make a good point with the ticket price. I didn't think about that. Like yeah, a ticket, the money. A ticket from New York to Japan is probably, like, super expensive. More than you could ever spend yeah. on a dinner, like, yeah. realistically. Really, Without yeah. going crazy. Like but a like, whole year worth of and yeah, yeah, and even at that mm. point, going crazy. Yeah. I mean, even if you go huh. to, say you go to, you know, you fly from New York to London and you go there, even if you spend, you know, $250 yeah. on a really nice dinner when you get there, even mm. if you spend 400 that's still way cheaper than that plane ticket would have been, especially flying first class. I think that's another thing we're not looking at. The benefit of moving up to first class, so not just free coach or economy, right, or whatever, right, right. but that first class is a good get because you literally can't afford it. Huh. You know, it would cost you $2,000 to fly to London first class, probably more. It's a great point. I guess if you go coach, it's a different question. We won't get into that. Either way, I like coach, so it doesn't bother me either. Yeah, way. I know. Now, I'm six foot I like five. It. I hate coach, man. Give me the mm. big chair. Mm. I love it. You Please. need extra leg room. I would love it. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks for joining us this week. Again, thank you to Bob and Dr. Mike from Mohawk Valley Health Systems for coming in. It was a great time talking to them. Uh, follow Heather on Twitter at HeatherWaz1. Follow Kevin uh, underscore Kevin Sullivan. Follow me at SF Doom. Or don't just follow the show at Uticast. We are also on Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. We're taking over the web. Sayonara, humanoids. Uh, keep it tight. Uh, Woodstock lives. Uh, that's it. Happy yeah. Rusev Day, I suppose. And yeah, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> WrestleMania this weekend. It's going to be dope.